Hello, and welcome to the Life Center Podcast. We're a church in Tacoma, Washington that exists to inspire our community to love and follow Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at all of our campuses, you can download the Life Center app, interact with us on social media, or visit lifecenter.com. Let's jump into this week's message. Thanks for listening. I want to share uh, a message with you that I've entitled The Secret of Doing the Simple. The Secret of of doing the simple. Before we jump into the scripture tonight, how many of us have ever realized that sometimes the simple things are the hardest things? Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes, even though it's simple, it doesn't mean that it is easy, does it? Simple is not always easy. I want us to begin tonight by looking to 1 John. 1 John. John, in, in his letter, he He writes these words, starting in chapter 2, verse 3. says this, and we can be sure that if we know him, okay, can you say no? And we can be sure that we know him if we obey. Can you say obey? Now, knowledge and obedience. We can be sure that we know Jesus if we obey his commandments, If anyone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love him. Let me say that again. Those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love him. That is why we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Here's the reality. That scripture, simple, but not easy, right? It's, it's simple to talk about obedience. It's not always easy to walk it out. Yet John here is helping followers of Jesus understand this. It's one thing to claim that you know Jesus, but the evidence of knowing him begins to reveal itself in how we walk out what he's called us to walk out. Now, does that mean that if you don't get it 100% all the time, you're out? Absolutely not. But there's this evidence that comes along with our faith called Obedience. Sometimes the simple things are the hard things. Think about it for a moment. Improving your relationships is simple. Improving your relationships. If you're married, improving your marriage is simple. If you're dating, improving that relationship is simple. If you have a friend, improving that relationship is simple. Is it easy? Absolutely not. See, all you have to do to improve your marriage is probably talk less and listen more. I mean, no, simple, but not easy. Improving your health is simple. Improving your health is simple. All you have to do is eat more vegetables and exercise a little bit. How many know that's simple, but how many of us would recognize that's not easy? Anybody else in the house would say, yeah, I know that's simple, Tyler, but I'm not signed up on that plan, okay? Finding financial stability in life. Here's the reality. Financial stability, building wealth, it's easy. Well, Tyler, if it was, or it's not easy, it's, it's simple. Well, if it was so simple, why don't more people do it? Well, 
Because you have to engage in this practice of spending less than you make and then saving a little bit. That's how we move towards stability in life. You see, there's a lot of things at one level. We look at them and we go, okay, that's, that's pretty simple, but just because it's simple doesn't make it easy. It reminds me of when our kids were young, we had a DVD player on our entertainment system in our living room. And I remember Judah, our firstborn, I remember being so proud of how well he was at listening. Because he would always work his way over to the DVD player and he would look at it and he'd begin to reach his hand up to touch it. And I would say, Judah, no, no. And he would look back at me and he'd put his hand down and begin to crawl away. And I, think, I, I thought to myself, man, I am a good parent. I need to write a book. All right. Then got a little bit older and he would crawl over to the DVD player and he would reach his hand up and I would say Judah no and I remember one time when everything shifted some of you will remember this moment maybe with your kids see that moment where he reached his finger out and I said the same thing I've always said my parenting is working and I said Judah no and he continued to look and then all of a sudden he looked back at me and he went like this and he touched it anyway. And in that moment, my heart shattered. I was like, no, I'm not the parent I thought I was. And here's here what was going on. I was trying to teach him this simple idea of obedience. This simple thought of, Judah, you need to learn how to respond to when, when people ask you to do something or don't ask you to do something. But something inside of him even though it was simple for him, it was no longer easy, was it? Because he wanted it. He, he wanted to be in control. He wanted to call the shots. See, here's what I want us to understand tonight. The idea of obedience, simple. The application of obedience, hard. Can I say that again? The idea of obedience, very simple. God asks us to do blank and we do blank. The application though, and this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. There's, there's this call, there's this command, and yet we continue to want our own way. Maybe you can identify with that. Eugene Peterson has written many books, helped write a modern paraphrase called The Message. But he said this about the idea of discipleship. He said discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Think about that. A long obedience in the same direction. You want to know what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus? It is a long obedience, a journey in the same direction. And tonight I want us to take a few moments to look in the Old Testament, because there's a story that really gives an individual a call to exercise simple obedience. But the problem is, it wasn't easy. The, the call, the command was, was pretty simple, but the challenge wasn't easy. We're going to read about a man in 2 Kings named Naaman. Naaman, he was a ruler north of Israel. In fact, he was a, a general, a military leader, and he was the second in command in his nation. 
He was highly favored. He was wealthy. He was influential. There was only one problem. Naaman had leprosy. So even though on the outside, the the uniform and all the things showed a man of power, underneath the uniform was a man in process of dying. Can I tell you that's a, a great summary of how many people choose to live life. On the outside, man, everything's looking good, but, but beneath the layers of what we want people to see, man, maybe life is just slowly leaking out. Naaman, he needed help. You see, the nation that Naaman was from, they continued to raid Israel over and over again, and in one of the raids, a servant girl was taken away from Israel and became a servant in his household, and She became aware of her master's condition, and she said to Naaman one day, Naaman, there's a prophet in Israel. You need to go see him. He he can make you better. And so his king sends a letter and a delegation and all of these resources, and he makes his journey to Israel. And I want us to start tonight in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 8. When Naaman, he, he shows up in Israel, and he gives the letter to the king of Israel. The king freaks out. The king literally tears his clothes, scripture says. Why? Because he assumed since he couldn't heal Naaman himself that this was basically an invitation to go to war. But Elisha, the prophet, says this in verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought, can you say I thought? That's so important. We're going to come back to that in a minute. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, to heal me. Aren't the rivers in Damascus, the Abana and the Parfar, better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. What's up with that? I mean, Elisha clearly gave him instructions. Naaman, here's all you have to do. You see, Naaman had already traveled 100 miles to come into the place where he was at. And now Elisha says, I want you to go to the Jerusalem, which would be another 32-mile journey from where he was at. And Naaman, he hears the command. He hears the call, but he's frustrated. Why? Because it was different than what he thought. I'm sure that when I show up and I I meet this man of God, that he's going to do something special. I'm sure that when I meet this this prophet that he's going to have the right formula to make sure that my skin is healed. I know what he's going to do. And all of a sudden, the very thing that he thought didn't happen. And what's the response? Frustration. Look at verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, 
Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. It's interesting, Naaman... He had convinced himself because of the the witness of his servant girl that she should go, he should go and make this journey to Israel because if he did, there's a man who could heal him. And what Elisha is very well aware of is that he wasn't the source of healing. Elisha understood that his job was to point Naaman to the true healer, God, the one who could take his skin and restore it. And so what does Elisha do? Elisha actually separates himself from Naaman. He, he doesn't even answer the door. Has anybody ever been dogged by a friend? You, you show up, you're thinking, man, they're going to come running out of the house. They're going to come and be so excited to see me. And Naaman has brought a ton of wealth with him. 150 pounds of silver, pounds of gold, changes of clothing. Wealth to give to the man who could heal him. But Elisha stays at a distance intentionally. Why? Because he's not the one who deserves the gift. It's God. It's God. And so Elisha gives him this simple command. A simple call to obey. Here's what you need to do. You need to travel 32 more miles. You need to go dip yourself seven times. And if you do that, your skin will be clean. How many know it's one thing to take that 32-mile journey? It's another thing to dip yourself seven times. Because think about this. You dip the first time, nothing's changed. Do you continue? You dip the second time, nothing changed. You dip the third, nothing's changing. The fourth, nothing's changing. At the fifth, you're wondering, am I just being humiliated or what? I'm going to travel 32 miles, and I'm going to go take care of this guy. But no, what what happens is his servants continue to remind him, hey, if, if you are willing to do some extreme thing, why not simply obey and do the simple thing? The simple thing. Can I tell you there's power in simple obedience? Sometimes we're looking for the extravagant, But often the breakthrough happens in just simply walking in obedience to what God asks of us. Things change. The fifth time he dips, nothing. The sixth time he dips, nothing. But on number seven, think about this. He comes up out of the water and his skin is clean. His skin is new. Talk about A miracle. Just because it's simple, it doesn't make it easy. And listen, just because it isn't easy doesn't mean it isn't worth it. A lot of times, we want to live life a little bit like that Staples commercial where there's an easy button, don't we? 
Wouldn't that be nice if if following Jesus afforded us one of those where we come to a a challenge, we come to this place where we're being asked to obey God even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't fit in what we thought? Anybody else beside me ever hit one of those moments where it didn't fit within what you thought? That's what happened to Naaman. And wouldn't it be nice if in that moment we we could just hit easy, but the problem is even though it's not easy, it is simple. It's simple. What's the point? The point is this. We need to understand obedience, it starts at the level of the heart. Obedience starts at the level of the heart. Before obedience is ever an external action, it starts with the heart. It starts in the heart. This is what I love about that message that John gave in his letter of 1 John. I actually want to pull up the message paraphrase. Listen to how this says it in John. It says, here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Maybe you found yourself at a moment of your life where you said, well, do do I really know God? Am I I really walking in relationship with him? Here's one of the evidence. It says this, keep his commandments. If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words, but the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. It goes on. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Can I tell you? I know this is, this is not necessarily one of those messages where I'm expecting people to come running up going, man, thanks for talking about obedience, Tyler. I was hoping you'd hit that one. This is one of those messages, and this is some of the scripture that it's, it's a little bit of a wrestle at times. It's a little bit uncomfortable, but listen, if we want to follow Jesus, we can't just follow him when it's easy. We can't just follow him when it's convenient. Oh, it's, it's simple to follow Jesus. You put your trust in him. And listen, tonight I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about law. I'm talking about love. Love. Why do we obey God? We obey God because we love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. See, obedience, it starts in the heart. Obedience, it's It's evidence of a life that's surrendered over. But tonight, I want to talk about two challenges when it comes to obedience. Because as we talk about the heart, why is it so hard at times? And trust me, we've experienced this. I know I've experienced this in my own life. I've experienced it as I've tried to help raise our kids to love and follow Jesus. And listen, there's this challenge that happens in our hearts. There's this challenge that happens in our hearts. So let me talk about two challenges, two challenges of walking out obedience. One is this, it demands humility. Can you say humility? Humility. Obedience, why why is it so hard to obey? Well, at the end of the day, we have to come to a place where we go, okay, well, you're on to something, and so I'll do it. Now, that requires me emptying a little bit of myself. It demands humility because it is so simple. 
Again, not easy, but but simple. When it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to obeying his commands, the commands are pretty simple. Love God with everything, love people with everything. How many know that's pretty simple right there? Jesus said it this way. You can take this whole thing and boil it down to those two commands. Love God, love people. Simple. But I think all of us could say, man, living that out, a little bit hard. Because maybe your boss had a bad day. Maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe that person cut you off and you thought they did it on purpose. You see, all of these things, even though they're, they're simple, man, it's hard. And humility, in order for us to walk out obedience, humility is required. This is the very thing that Naaman was missing. What happened? He showed up and he said, I'm sure that the prophet will do this. And the moment it didn't go his way, what? Oh, I'm, I'm out of here. You ever had something not go your way? Was your response ever like Naaman's? I know, mine is often like Naaman's. Man, if, if stuff doesn't go just like I want, just like I planned it, it's easy to lose sight of humility. But in order for Naaman to experience healing, he needed to walk in humility. Catch that. In order for Naaman to experience healing, he needed to walk in humility. In order for us to walk in obedience, we need to walk in humility. Why? Because at the end of the day, here's what obedience says. God, your way is better than my way. A humble heart is the only way that we come to terms with that statement. It starts with humility. You see, the root of Naaman's anger, it was pride. And listen, what often may seem like ridiculous, it just might be the pathway to the miraculous. What Naaman was asked to do, go dip yourself. And he's, his response, no, 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 the water is better back home. Why, why do I need to do the, this in the, in the Jordan River? What seemed ridiculous was actually the pathway to the miraculous. When Jesus says, you know what, love your neighbor. Well, that neighbor or that neighbor, Jesus? Because which one are you talking about here? What seems ridiculous might be the pathway to the miraculous. But only through walking this path of humility do we come to this place of being willing to engage in obedience. See, the first challenge, yes, it demands humility. The, the second challenge is this, though. It requires faith. Can you say faith? faith? It requires faith. Naaman had a choice, just like you and I, every single day, every time we embrace a, a journey of life that we, we have to choose God's way or ours, it requires faith. Being sure of what we hope for. Certain of what we do not See, it requires faith because the fact is obedience isn't easy. God calls us into this beautiful relationship. Our only hope to experience this relationship is incredible grace. We can't earn it. We don't obey our way into right relationship with God. We receive it by faith. But then that faith begins to work itself out. Well, how does that reveal itself? James chapter 2 says it this way. 
This is how our faith begins to reveal itself. You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. You ever come across those scriptures and you kind of go, man, that, that's a little rough. This, this is one of those for me at times because we understand we are saved by grace through faith alone, but saving faith doesn't stay alone. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't purchase it. You can't, you can't serve enough. You can't give enough. You can't memorize enough scripture. We are saved only by the incredible, generous grace of God. But the result of that salvation it begins to reveal itself in how we walk out the commands. What are the commands? The two greatest commands that Jesus took all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament. He said this, love God with everything. Love people with everything. Simple. Is it simple? Absolutely. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Because some of us, we've, we've been journeying with Jesus for decades. I won't ask for any shows of hands, Okay. But we've been journeying with Jesus for a long time, and even though we could boil down what we're called to obey with two simple statements, it's still hard. What does that mean? It means that we're going to have to continue to walk in humility and continue to walk by faith. Well, Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? Because it's probably going to require humility. It's probably going to require faith, trusting that his way is better than our way. You see, faith that doesn't lead, I, I love this quote by, by Warren Wearsby. He said this, faith that doesn't lead to obedience isn't faith at all. Whoa. I read that this week as I was studying and prepping and, and I, I checked it a couple of times. I said, did, did I read that right? Faith that doesn't lead us to obedience isn't actually faith. Maybe it's convenient, but is it, is it faith? What does this look like? We need to understand at the end of the day, here's, here's what's important to remember about faith. Under every behavior in our lives is a belief. So why is it that you obey? Well, it's because at a fundamental level, there, there's a belief. It's the same reason why you're approaching a school zone and you see a, a police car idling. And all of a sudden, you don't try to do 35 past him, do you? Why? Your behavior changes. Why? Because under that behavior is a belief. It's a belief. So when it comes to this thing called obedience, how, how do we align our lives with what Jesus is asking us to do? We can't just change the externals. We have to change the beliefs. That's why it starts with the heart. And I have, I have good news for you because it's not even a fair fight Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to whisper, to strengthen, to remind us, hey, you're not in alignment here. Come on, get, get back on course. And that grace that saved you is sufficient to continue to sustain you each and every day. So obedience, don't, don't leave this place and go, well, obedience is just all on my shoulders. No, God is equipping you and strengthening you empowering you with his spirit to walk out a life that's pleasing to him. Friends, that's good news. That's good news. 
He welcomes us to live these lives of obedience, but we get to spend them responding in worship. I was talking with a friend this last week. He made this statement, obedience is the highest form of worship. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Why is that? If you remember, there's a story in Scripture where God reminds one of his people, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Why would God make that statement? Well, I think it has something to do with this thought. Sacrifice is an event. Sacrifice is a moment. But how many know obedience is minute by minute, moment by moment? And this is what it looks like to live lives devoted to our king as we continue to surrender ourselves and we come in alignment with who he's calling us to be. See, the secret of simple obedience, it's, it's understanding and acting upon this simple truth. God's ways really are better than our ways. That requires humility. That requires faith. Because there's times I'm certain I know better. There's times that I'm certain I, I could do better. There's times that I feel like I have clarity, but simple obedience comes back to this place. His ways are not my ways. His ways are better than my ways. And I'm gonna choose to follow him. Tonight, I want you to consider just one simple question. One simple thing. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. What is the simple thing that Jesus is asking me to do? Right now, in your life, what, what is the simple thing? Not, not the big thing, because some of us were waiting for some booming voice and flashes of lightning for God to get our attention. And I want you to go to Africa and serve for the rest of your life. Now listen, that might be what Jesus asks you to do. And if he does, obey. But sometimes that call looks a little bit like this. Hey, talk nicer to your spouse. Hey, be more patient with your children. Hey, don't gossip. What is the simple thing? What's the simple thing that Jesus is asking you to do? Because our highest form of worship, and listen, we're, we're gonna take a moment, we're gonna worship together, and I'm gonna invite you to stand with me all across this room. So go ahead, would you stand? The highest form of worship is, is not just how loud we sing or how long we sing or how pretty we sing. The highest form of worship is when God simply speaks, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm asking of you. And what do we do? We humble ourselves. Okay. You're God, I'm not. And then we walk by faith, we trust, we choose to obey, come in alignment. Okay, Lord, I, I need you to strengthen me, I need you to help me, and, and we continue this journey forward. That's what it looks like. 